God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. So good to have every one of you. If you are a visitor, we're so glad to have you here. And uh, thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, please understand that we've been praying for you to come. And so God brought you here and we're glad. Today I want to go into a sermon that is really basic. Uh, but we need to be reminded of some of these things. We need to be reminded. And I, I titled it, Drawing Near to God. Drawing Near to God. The greatest desire in the heart of God, the greatest, nothing more than that, is He wants you to know Him. Just to know Him. He's done everything for us to have the privilege of knowing who He really is. Knowing God. But you cannot know him, you can't know somebody, really know somebody, until you're really close to the person. Until you're near the person, constantly near the person, and communicate with the person. That's God's desire. In fact, he sent his son to the earth, put him through that difficult situation And Jesus wanted to do that. Because if you read in the Psalms, he says, he was this. I believe it's um, Proverbs chapter 8, I believe. He says he was there in the very beginning with the Father. And his greatest delight was with the sons of men. That's Jesus himself. He was there. He was there. So his thing is to get to know you. He knows everything about you. But you know very little about him. We know very little about this God. And he hurts the heart of God. And God's constantly wanting you to know him better. Now, there is an enemy out there that's lying about him. And he's constant. He doesn't rest. He lies about God. He started talking, telling lies about God in the Garden of Eden. And he has his cups since that time. He is the father of lies. He lies to us. And, and God wants you not to believe his lies by getting to know him. When you know the real thing, you can easily identify the kind of it. That's what it is. God wants you to know Him. The world as it is today, they act as if there is no God. Some of them say we don't believe there is a God. God does not exist. We don't feel Him. We don't hear Him. But something in them knows, like I said before, they know that God is. And even some that believe there is a God, they ignore Him. They act as if He's not there. They do their own things, not even considering whether there is a God or not, unless you bring that topic and you ask them, yes, I believe there is a God. Well, if you believe there is a God, how come you are not concerned about the afterlife? You're going to walk into something that you, a place that you've never been, know nothing about, and no way of knowing about, And you hope that there is somebody you are going to meet God and you have no preparation at all. (laughs) Sometimes you don't want to use the word. That's really dumb. How can you go into eternity to meet a God that you know nothing about? And now you have no control over your own life Think about it, even your own life, you have no control, just a little headache, you can get rid of it yourself. There is something beyond yourself. And there are things in your life that you have no control over. The universe lets us know God is. Your person 
should let you know God is. When I look at the creation, I know there is a God somewhere. These things cannot be here just like that. And you have no choice as to where you were going to be born. You have no power over what's happening to you. Somebody put you in here. How come you don't have any desire to get to know him? And that's his greatest desire. He wants you to know him. Because when you know him, you have light and understanding. The meaning of life becomes clear to you. You now know why you're here. And from that, you can tell and get to know your purpose. Why God put you here on the earth. To know him. To know him. That was Paul's greatest desire. Paul was an evangelist. That's what he did. God used him in all kinds of miracles. Great miracles where handkerchief from his body, they were saying it on and people were getting healed. But that was not Paul's greatest desire. He didn't care about those things. He was serving his master. But his cry was in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. That I may know him. I'm doing everything to get to know him. A miracle worker. Paul. Being all over. And yet, even in his latter years, he's still crying out. I want to know God. Because the Spirit of God in him was crying out in him. And that desire was strong in him. I want to know God. That's your greatest need in this world. To know God. God has to be known. Man does not know God. We have to know God through his Son. And Jesus was clear. No one knows who the Father is except the Son. And no one really knows who the Son is except the Father himself. And Jesus said, no one knows who the Father is except the Son and to whom he wills to introduce you and make you to know him. I want Jesus to do that for you. And for me, so we get to know God, life will be meaningful when that happens. And that was Paul's cry, to, that I may know him, to know Jesus, because he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know that power. Not just knowing him, I want to get a little secret into this power that raised him up from the dead so that he'll never die again. We don't think about that. There's a man that rose from the dead and he's still alive till today. You want, if, if that was his birthday, think about how old he is. <laughs> he's 2,000 years old plus... Think about it. But we don't think about it. Even scientists don't even go there. They won't even touch it. To disprove that this man didn't rise. But see, death has no power over him. I want to know him. I want to know the one who has dominion over death. And death cannot touch him. He is higher than death. He is a man, but yet he has power over death that death cannot even touch him. I want to know such person. The power that raised him up from the dead. I want to know that. I want to know that. And he says, in the fellowship of his sufferings. He wants to know all of that. To understand him. You know, Jesus because the world is still rejecting him, that's painful to the Father. At the place of work, like I said last Sunday, you say the name Jesus, and if they know you're saying it, everybody stops and they look. 
I mean, they, they can use it for curse words. It's no big deal. But you go like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everybody, oh my God, what's going on? The look. And he could, he's very religious. That's what he's saying. Nobody wants to be. Or if he's more than that, he's a fanatic. You heard that before? I like to be called a fanatic for Jesus. Amen. That's a good word. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. Then he said, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, a lot of people don't even think about that. This is bothers me. The way Christians, you know, no passion for God. You just go to church, it's like a game. And that's not what this church is about. We'll never be about that. It's about the resurrection of the dead. If, you, if Jesus tarries and you live, you die. Everyone's going to die. It's true. No matter how conveniently you live here on earth, you leave everything behind and you go your way. Into a world that you know nothing about. I was talking to a Chinese student who, uh, back in college. I don't know if it's A&M. These days I get confused. You know, it's not old age. You're kidding. <laughs> or Texas, Texas A&M or University of Georgia. And I said, uh, Lee, you keep telling me no God. That's the way he says it. No God. And I says, okay, let me agree with you. No God. But you're going to die, Lee. What if there is an afterlife? And what about after you die, you get to meet the God that you said, no God. What are you going to do then? He was quiet for a long time. He had no answer for me. You know what he said? No God. Good luck. No God. I said, sorry, keep it up. But I, I believe I've sown a seed in his heart. You die. When you sleep, you dream. And your dreams affect you. Sometimes you're running in your sleep and, and you're sweating. But you are still sleeping. And you're scared in your dream and you're, you're covered with sweat. The room is, how can, how can your dream affect you? If, you? if there is not another being living in your earth suit. That's your earth suit. If you're going to go to the moon, you need some suit, right? If you are going to live on the earth, God gave you the earth suit. That's the way it is. When Jesus came, Jesus had been before the world was. But for him to live on our earth, he needed what? The earth suit. One of these days, you will leave that behind and go your way. That's just the truth. You prepare. You prepare yourself. If you know you're going somewhere and you never return... And the way you prepare determines how you live over there. It would be foolish if you did nothing. If it's that important to you, you will do everything to make sure life over there is good. Why do people leave money for their retirement? They want to live good. Later. Right? That's what it is all about. This thing is serious. I don't care what anybody says. This thing is serious. Because one day, if you live on this earth, you have to deal with it. You and your God. Is that important? And God wants you to to get to know him. He's seeking to know you by you knowing him better. Intimate. Drawing near to God. 
God made it that way. From the very beginning, when Adam sinned, Adam left him. It is like, Adam, where are you? Remember that? Where are you? But he was in the garden. But at that stage, Adam was so far from God. God was asking, is this, God didn't know where Adam was. No, Adam was still there and God knew where he was. But because of his sinful nature, he was so far from God. And God made a way for us to come back. Because that was what he wanted from the very beginning. There was no evil in God's heart when he created man. Everything he wanted was good for man. God himself planted a garden. God planted a garden and placed the man. Well, what would you do? You will wake up, wait, make Adam, let's do this together. No, God did it by himself. That's how great a love God had for man. And Satan destroyed that because man listened. And now God is wanting you come back to me and have that life where you don't have to labor and sweat and struggle with pain, confusion, sickness, disease, all of those things. And I believe God will heal some people this morning. Amen. Amen. Because he is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to what it says in Acts 7, 17. It says, and he has made from one blood every nation of men. You see, God's reminding us, God made from one blood every nation of men. To dwell on the face of the earth. But see, what God does, and that was the original intent, God takes that, the devil takes it, turns it, twists it, and causes problem. But this is what God wanted. He made of one, every nation, one blood, to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed time. And boundaries of dwelling. You see, God predetermined when you will be on the earth. That's what he's saying. Every one of you. You were not an accident in his mind. He is like, you know, in the kings of the earth, we know of President Trump. And we talk about President Trump. is your president, but he doesn't know who you are. Not this king. He knows every single subject in his kingdom intimately. Everyone, their feelings, every single one of them. And this king can speak to all of them at the same time. And carry on a great conversation that changes their life at the same time. That's the kind of king that we have in Jesus. Amen. He predetermined the times. So this is your time that God wanted and predetermined for you to live on the earth. I have to find out why. Why didn't you allow me to be born in the days of Julius Caesar? Why now? I need to know. I know God. He's a good God. We sang about it this morning. I know he didn't want me to live at that time. It wasn't right. This is the right time. So now that today is the right time, I want to know why. The Bible cannot lie. This is the right time. So if God had determined my time, I should be able to determine why this time is my time. Predetermine before the foundations of the world. So you are not an accident. And God has a special plan for your life. Not an ordinary plan. It becomes ordinary because you haven't drawn near to him to find out. 
Why? When you draw close to him, he reveals. Why? That's what the scripture says. There are predetermined times and boundaries of their dwellings. Why did he do this? He, he left some in Africa and in Australia, in, in North America, South America. He did that. Why? So that they should seek the Lord. The reason you are an American is because God wants you to seek him and find him. And if you're not doing that, you missed it. You missed the reason why you were born. You've been chasing other things. But not the reason why God put you here on the earth. No wonder you are so frustrated. <laughs> and in wondering. And sometimes when things are really hard, you wonder, life has no meaning. Because you, don't, you have undetermined. It's not that important to you. He did this that they will seek the Lord. And see, God has a hope. We're coming to that. In the hope that they might grope for him. And find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. You know why? He's there. But you can't reach him from your natural flesh. It's a spirit being. It takes the spirit being to locate him. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it's easier because now you have what it takes to locate him. Some people are filled with the Holy Spirit and that's as far as they want to go. But the Holy Spirit was given to you to help you seek him. That's the vehicle to help you. Jesus said, I have many things to tell you. But you can't handle it now. When he, the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And guess what truth does? And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So he guides. This was God's original intent. God wants you to know him. God wants you to draw nearer. If you read in Ephesians, it says, Those that were far off, he has brought near. And he took that wall of petition. God's that way. God wants you to draw near to him. If you're drawing near to God, you are in God's will. Because that's what God wants. Drawing near to him. This is what the scripture tells us. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19. For the Lord made nothing perfect. In other words, think about the hope. Hope, God, hope. He did all of that hoping that you will seek after him. And God did something. He gave the law. But the law didn't help us. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better so the first hope didn't work for God. So he brought in a better hope. A better hope. Through which, what should we do? We may what? Draw near to God. The first hope God had. He had scattered them all over the world. So that they would grow for him in hope. That, that never worked much. The law didn't work. Now he brought his son. And, and uh, his son went to the cross for us. Now this is a better hope. Everyone can find him. If you want to. We can draw near to God. The Bible tells us in James 4 verse 8. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands he says. You sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> when you are double-minded, your heart's not pure. 
That's what he's saying. But how do you do this? How do you purify your heart? How do you get rid of double-mindedness? By drawing near to God. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. This scripture doesn't ever fail. It's what you want. The man was crying after Jesus. He said to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. Some people said, be quiet. Be quiet. You're making, you're making too much noise. And the man yelled more. Meaning he was desperate, right? And then Jesus said, call him. And the people said, well, now your troubles are over. That's the gospel according to good luck. Your troubles, be of good cheer, okay? Your troubles are over. He's calling for you. Everyone knew he was, he was blind. Now he got to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm sure every, for me, I would be looking like, he, he's supposed to be obvious, right? I'm blind. He wants you to draw near for conversation. Amen? Amen. You and him. So he knows what is in your heart and what you're really wanting. It may be in your heart, but until you speak it to him, and you don't speak it to him, standing way out there, God, he says, find me in your closet. Amen. Find me in your closet, in your secret place. Because God himself is in the secret. The world cannot see him. But when you go into your closet, that means searching for him, seeking after him, he reveals himself to you. And when he reveals himself to you in the secret, you receive light. And when you come out of that place, your head will be glowing like uh, Moses' head. You have light and understanding. You lose the fear of the future because you know the one who is holding your hand. You know that. You lose the fear. That's how great God is. No fear of the future. I got God on my side. But until you draw near to Him, you never feel that. You never know that. Until you, and he said, you see, God works with your heart. He wants, what's in your heart? You draw near, and he draws near to you. You move away, and he, and when he moves away, your steps away was like, uh, is it, Neil Armstrong said, remember, one giant, one step, I don't know how you said it. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> One, one lip, right? A giant, say it for me, brother. One small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. That's what it is. Hey, now I remember. I need to watch that stuff more, okay? <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Some of you won't be able to remember it either. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, you just moved away. But if God does the same, that's far. Hello, if he moves away one big step, you just move. And you look, he's way back that way, just a little more. And I don't want that. You don't want that. Amen? So draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. I'm going to quickly go through some things that we must do to help us draw near to God. Number one is prayer. Prayer. I know people think about prayer is like mm, labor. You have to do this as a Christian. That's not the way it is. There is a secret about prayer. That pulls you closer to God. Because in prayer, it, it, it seems like the Holy Spirit comes in 
and quietens your spirit. And your mind. Your mind was racing back and forth. And then you spoke a few words to God. And then an impression came to you. You thought you were thinking. And this little voice says, don't worry my son. I'll take all my daughter. I'll take care of it. But you have no idea how he's going to do it. You were troubled before. But now you have some kind of peace that you can't understand. Even though the situation is still there. And you're wondering, how did this peace come? And every time you're reminded, because Satan wants you to fret, he reminds you of it. You know, somebody says something about the issue, and you want to fret. And a little voice in your head says, repeat it. God will take care of it. And you don't understand it. That's why he says it's beyond knowledge. You can't, the peace of God that passes knowledge will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. So now there is that work. It was an impossible situation. And then all of a sudden, you hear something that you never expected to hear. And the situation is being resolved. And you did nothing about it. Guess what happens? You've come to know God a little better. Oh, yes. You've come to know God a little better. There is that confidence. First, I am his child. And then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit reminds you, if God be for us, who can be against us? Yes. You feel it inside. And the peace of God. And when that prayer gets answered, I've come to realize, and many of you have realized that too, you're so happy and you're rejoicing that the problem is gone. And all of a sudden, a little voice reminds you, do you remember when you prayed for this? How many of that happened to? Yes. And all of a sudden, you go like, oh my God. Yes. Yes. I got a miracle. And, and you're happy. So you can boldly say, I cried to God and the Lord heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. You can say it without a doubt in your heart because you know you asked from God and God heard you. Now you've drawn closer to Him and you know Him. Prayer. Prayer. So important. A lot of Christians don't pray. I was reading in Kenneth Hagin's book, and all of a sudden he says that uh, Jesus pulls a chair, he sees him in a vision, and he's going to teach him things. And somebody told me in the morning, Kenneth Hagin can walk past you, praying in tongues, and say hello, but he's not even aware that he's seen you. He comes back after prayer, and says, hey, good morning, it's good to see you. Say, hey, I just saw you the other time. No, he wasn't paying anything, he's just praying in tongues all around. All around. That's so crucial. I know prayer does that for you. He gives you revelation of who God is. He gives you revelation. That's what the Bible says. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us. By His Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, God begins to make Himself known to you. Let me show you something. Samuel was just an ordinary man. A boy, if you will have it. And it says in in 1 Samuel that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And then one day, God started to speak to Samuel. 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 And he says, God revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. When you pray, you give God an opportunity. Notice, it was at night. Quiet time. Right? Old Testament. When everyone was sleeping. 
When you go into that closet to pray, God begins to show you stuff. I don't know about this at all, but this is what my mind tells me. Jesus spent so much time praying. (coughs) Excuse me. And Paul tells us the same thing. Paul said, I don't speak in tongues in church. Very much. You can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, in church, I would rather speak four or five words in a language that everyone can understand than 10,000 words in tongues. So that tells me he speaks 10,000 words in tongues and he's not doing it in church. He's got to have find, he must find a place where he's doing that. When he's in prayer. And so that's where God begins to show him For what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of a man who is in him, even so, no one knows the things of God, except by the spirit. So God said, he's given us the spirit. That through the spirit, we can know the things that have been freely given to us. But we got to get this done through prayer. Number two. Sometimes you pray, but it seems like you're not getting anywhere. Your peace is not there. In, in uh, my family, we've, we experience this thing a lot. It's one thing after another. Just like the scripture says, is one trouble comes, he goes away. Before you have enough time to rejoice for that, here comes another trouble. And sometimes two more. And you're wondering, this is life, it's a fight. We are warriors, we are fighting. It's a fight. But we've learned, once we really focus on it, praying, that thing changes for good. That's what we find. He changes. It, it seems like it was bad. But when we spend that time praying to God, it happens. All of a sudden, one call changes everything. And we experience that. We've been experiencing it for a long time. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing that God does. The problem when it comes, it overwhelms you. You feel like there's nothing to do. What can I do? And many times... When we've prayed and it's not, we can't get the peace, guess what we have to do? We fast. Fasting, I mean, for some reason, I, I don't think we will ever understand it. What it does in the spirit realm. Preachers can tell you what you're doing, maybe when you fast, you deny the body. And I don't know all about that. All I know, God said to do it. <laughs> There must be something to it. If God wants you to do it, there must be something to it. God cannot ask you to do something that is painful without a benefit hidden in that particular practice. And you fasting and prayer. He says some demons will not go except through fasting and prayer. This is very important. When it's not working, when you're praying, try fasting. That will bring you revelation from God as you fast. Mark chapter 2, verse 19 and 20 says, And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. In other words, as long as Jesus was here on earth, no big deal. You don't have to. It's right here. It says, but the days will come. And guess what? These are the days. We're living in the days that Jesus was talking about. Your living, your life today is the fulfillment of this prophecy. The days will come, Jesus said to us. When the bridegroom will be taken away from them, Jesus is no longer here in person, right? And then Jesus says, and then in those days, 
the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So Jesus is saying, we ought to do it now. He's no longer here. I don't question it. I'll do it. If you do it, God will respond. That's why I say it's a simple message today. But if you've never fasted before, try it. Especially if you're going through some difficulties. Take your Bible and fast. I remember when I was in A&M, uh, I had a problem. It was a scriptural thing. And I was very worried about it because some people were going to come to me and talk to me and ask me a question about it. And I was so confused. I didn't know what to tell them. I knew I was anticipating it. I knew they were going to come. And I said, I told myself, if I answer them wrongly, I will really do a serious damage. But I need to know, God, you got to reveal to me what I should say about this question. Because at that time, I, had not, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to say. It was, it was hard. So I decided to fast. God, you got to show me. I decided I will fast for three days. And I went into a room there and shut myself in there. I was praying to God and reading my Bible. Guess what? The first day, God gave me a full answer. I got everything. I was so happy. I quit fasting. (laughs) I only fasted for one day. The next day, it was over. Thank you, Jesus. And go back to food, I'm telling you. I was quick. I did it for a reason, right? Why should I be fasting for two more days? I already got the answer. Great. We'll do it some other time. But that's the way it is. When you fast, he hears. He hears. So add some fasting to it. Add some Bible study to it. You know, the, the greatest thing, that's number three, the greatest thing that I find that is missing in the church today, people don't study the Word. We have great Sunday school teachers in this church. I'm surprised on Sunday morning many people don't even show up. I don't think you understand that Jesus and the Word are one and the same. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Every time God's Word is being spoken, Jesus is present. And I want to be in His presence. I want to be in His presence, just like you are doing today. Things are happening to you that you are not even aware of. Your life and your heart is being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not even aware that God's changing the way you think. He's doing his work right now. And I love to be around it, the word of God. We got great teachers, got to hear them. Different perspective. In the class, you can ask questions. While I'm preaching, if you raise up your hand to ask a question, the ushers will take you out. Is it, are, you, are you okay? But in class, you can ask questions and get clarification. I encourage you to do that. It says to study the word. Number four, fellowship is very important. Fellowship. That's another way we draw near to God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27 verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When you are around Christians and you talk, you edify each other. And with my friends, uh, we'll pray in the morning. I hear them talk. And, and, and sometimes they're saying something, and I've gotten a new sermon from what they're saying. And they're totally unaware that I, I picked them for more something. That's not exactly what they were saying, but I got something new now. And I'm excited. If I tell them about what I was thinking about, they'll say, well, we're not talking about that. So I keep it to myself and work on it later. But iron sharpens iron. Their devotion challenges you to want to go more for God as they talk to you. So fellowship is very important. Listen to this. Acts 2 verse 46 and 47. So continually, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. So church, church is important in the temple. And breaking bread 
from house to house. So they were going from house to house, fellowshipping, and, and that's where we discovered, you know, Sunday school, so people can come together and do that formally and ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were to be saved. If we do that, we are around the world eating together, fellowship, small group meetings, and all of that. Shirley is doing a great job. All of that. Before you know, God will be bringing, they will be getting saved. A lot of people don't understand. It's not about the church. It's not about the pastor. It's about you bringing somebody to Christ. And we have to do that. Another thing is sharing your faith. That's very important. It says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses. So I'm trying to get in a hurry and finish this. Can you get it? (laughs) Yeah. So, Sharing your faith is very, very important. Sharing your faith. Jesus said to them, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. You see, a witness is somebody that's experienced something. Either by seeing it, or by feeling it, whatever it takes. You were there. You saw it or you felt it. You are a witness. So what Jesus is saying, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not for you to go out and you can do that if he leads you to start quoting John 3.16. Just tell them what God has done in your life. They can't argue with it. They can't argue with it. They are amazed about the story you are telling. When I was a new Christian, I, I, was good. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was good at telling my friends and everyone around me what I saw in church. If somebody got healed in church, I went to my students and I told them everything that was going on. Just telling what you saw really challenges them more than spending scripture. And sometimes when they argue with you and say, no, you're wrong. Well, then I fall on this. Amen? And I show them. A preacher said, don't just quote scriptures. I like to quote scriptures, but don't just quote scriptures. He said, when you're talking to them, open the Bible and show them. See, this is what he said. They'll see that God said this. They may not believe it, but they see, how come he trusts in that? The other thing you're doing is helping them to have faith. In what is written in the book. Amen? That's what you're doing. When you show it to them, see, that's what he says. And that's what I saw in church. That's what God is doing. Increases their faith in God. And by and by, their lives will be changed. So you share with them. You don't have, just tell your story. At work, tell your story. I was not always a Christian. I used to be that bad. Really? You're not that bad. And you begin to share your story. And that will transform their lives. And as you do that, it cuts both ways. Because as they begin to respond, God begins to deal with you. And telling you how to deal with them. How to disciple them. And you don't know you're growing and getting to know God better. They come back with a question. And God gives you the answer. And you're growing. You're drawing closer to God. This is how it works. Sharing with people. That's how, by the grace of God, I grew. Because sometimes they ask me such difficult questions. I say, hey, uh, sir, I don't have an answer. But can I come back tomorrow? So you go back. I read the Bible. If I can't get an answer, call the brother. Do you have an answer? And then I got your answer. But after I have my answer, I already know. I know the truth. And the truth has set me free. And the truth will set him free. If he receives the truth. Amen. So we share our faith. Giving to God is another one. We talked about that. And the last one, number seven. Godly living. Godly living. Living so that everyone around you know that you are a child of God. 
The Bible puts it this way. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all. How many stuff? All in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and Father through Jesus, through him. Whatever you do. So if you cannot put the name of Jesus in that, don't do it. Hello? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus. And if I can't say Jesus in it, then maybe I shouldn't be there. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe God, could you help me move away from this and draw closer to you? Amen? Amen. That's the way it is. Drawing close to God. This morning, that's the end of my sermon. I'm through with that. Now we've got to pray for this sick. Okay? We talked about that. Don't get too religious on me. We just do it. <laughs> Amen. If you're sick in the body, would you please come up? We're going to pray for you. And prayer partners, please come. And I know God's going to heal you because every time Jesus had a sermon, when he's through with his preaching, guess what he does? He heals the sick. And so today, Jesus is going to heal the sick and uh, we will be healed. Thank you, Lord. If you're sick in the body, would you please come up? And please have no doubt, because God will do what he promised to do in his word. No doubt. I don't care how bad it is, God will heal. Amen. something else if you're dealing with a torment with regards to your finances would you please come up to if that's you please come up you're struggling somewhere in your mind and the enemy ministering to you